was listening to the, the worship and everything, and I don't know, it just it struck me in a different way. Like, how in the world did we just like are like okay with this idea of God coming down and as this baby, not even a baby, as a fertilized seed? I mean, I just want you to think for a second how absurd it is according to human wisdom. Like, I mean, we just, I don't know, somehow as Christians, we read the Bible and we're just like, oh yeah, that's the way it was. And we don't critically think, we don't think about anything. And it's like, just just think through this a little bit. Like, if you were God, would you have ever designed a plan like this? I mean, really. I mean, if you were there with the Father, Son, and the Spirit, kind of this family, this God family, and you were that God family, would you have come up? I would say I would absolutely not have come up with a plan. Oh, I have an idea, the Holy Spirit says. Listen, hey, Jesus, you know, I got this idea. You're going to go down, and you're going to leave this eternal place, and you're going to jump inside. Well, actually, I'm going to get you inside the woman's womb. And then you're going to grow as a normal baby and become, they're going to call it incarnate. And then you're going to grow and you're going to have to go through all the risks. Now think about even as a parent. If you were, had a plan, would you have a plan where you would send, you would go and begin to be an envoy into the world, a messenger into the world, and you would send a baby to do it, to overtake the world with love, to push back, break powers of darkness, all of that. And so, and then you send this fertilized seed, you jeopardize the reputation of Mary and Joseph. In fact, by the way, um, I hear there's going to come into the future, because we're God, so we know, right? So we're going to we're going to send him about the time that Herod's going to try to slaughter all the babies in the same town that he was born in. I don't know. I mean, do you find this just absurd? It's it, it, And then this child, now this is the, the warrior king. This is the one who's going to overthrow the entire kingdom of darkness. And this warrior king is coming as a fragile, vulnerable baby. This is the master plan of the Godhead. I mean, think about it. How many of you parents are nervous your kid's going to scratch their knee or get a splinter? And God's like, oh, this is the perfect plan. We're going to send a baby. A baby. I mean, just think about that for a second. I was pretty perplexed. I have to think even more about this. But the point that I know is this, and, and this is why I shared it, is that God confounds the wise. He defies what any would call a wise plan of the time. I mean, nowadays, if you let your kids be independent, a lot are like, oh my gosh, isn't that dangerous? Well, God sent his only begotten son to endure great hostility. And when I think about this, I'm, I'm saying like many, many religious people completely missed the plan. 
Why? Because it had nothing to do with human common sense. I mean, come on. Are you, are you with me here? Like, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's perplexing. And I mean, the question that I have for you and that what I want to just share through this is, would you, if you were in that time, would you be, would you have missed the plan? Would you have been like, this can't be? And my question to us today is, will you miss the plan? And, you know, we've been talking a lot about discipleship. And, you know, discipleship, the ultimate purpose is that we know God. And we come to a place where we don't miss his plan, however profound or however foolish it might seem or however it goes against your culture or it goes against your grain or it goes against your upbringing or it goes against whatever, your personality, whatever it is. Like discipleship or what we've been talking about is, is growing closer to the Lord and being established in his truth. And I'll tell you what, folks, I'll, I'll give you a little teaser. If, or a little, if you can't do it in the small things, you will miss the bigger things. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You think, oh, well, yeah, if he really came, I'd know. Why did most of the world miss it? They sent this man to the cross. I mean, I understand this was all propelled by this foreknowledge of God. This God knew all this, but the word of the Lord is so clear. You know, he is, we're going to look at this a little bit and the word of the Lord is so clear that we need to prepare our hearts and be ready. I mean, think about Mary. We're gonna, let's read Luke one twenty-eight right now. Just look at this story. And, and I want to remind you before we read this, she was 16 to 18 years old. So those of you who are in that range, 16 to 18, just consider what it would be like to be Mary. And just think about this. And think about how you would feel and think if you were a parent, think about what if it was your 16-year-old. <laughs> so this angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern the sort of greeting this would be. Any teenagers know what it is to be troubled. Like, have you ever experienced being troubled? Well, she was troubled. Any adults, you ever experienced being troubled? I'm glad there's one honest person in the back of the sanctuary. And you're Christians? And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you'll call his name Jesus. Now, right at that point in time, I'm sure she was pretty much freaking out. Number one, she sees an angel. And two, this angel's saying, Hey, by the way, you're going to have a baby. And so Mary says, like, how will this be I, since I'm a virgin? An angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, she's conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
Now, Mary already said she was confused and didn't understand the plan. And so then, but see, this is where we see what kind of person she was. She was a person who was a disciple of Christ. She was a person who was a student of the law, who was devoted to God, who had committed her life to know God and please him. And so she responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you said. Now, there's a whole lot of things going on here because, you know, she's engaged to this guy, Joseph. And I mean, it's not, it's one thing to say, hey, Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant. And Joseph is thinking, well, I'm a real committed dude to the Lord. And I know I did not get you pregnant. So what does that mean? Outside of a compelling argument that is, defies all human wisdom, right? Because it doesn't happen. You have to have a man and a woman for there to be a pregnancy. Okay, come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, really? This is what I'm saying. And so instantly, can you imagine, like, what in the world is going to happen? And I'll tell you what, Mary, I'm sure she struggled. If she struggled with this plan, I'm sure she struggled and thought, Oh, what is Joseph going to think? Like, think about it, folks. We're talking about something that is only communicated supernaturally. She was completely reliant on this fact. She had to trust God that a supernatural intervention was going to come. Think about it. <laughs> and, and, and that supernatural um, intervention didn't come when she wanted it. I guarantee it. How do I know this? Well, because he wanted a divorce. He's like, we're going to make this really quiet. It's done because I know I didn't get you pregnant. And so, uh, yeah, okay. And so the, the plan was divorce. It was done. And I mean, can, I want you to just relate to this. How do you think Mary felt this wasn't like had to sleep on it at night and endure. What if this thing went on a couple weeks, three weeks? You know, and I'm sure like, can you imagine being Mary and having Joseph just kind of go, wow, this is rough. This is not what I anticipated. I mean, I want you to really feel this story because it really happened. It, it's not a little storybook. This was a real story in real human situations and scenarios. And Mary's struggling, trying to trust God with something that she knows is the truth. She knows is God. And she's having to sit there for this time being like, can you imagine what that would be like? Husbands and wives, think about the feelings just of what that would be like. And then God intervened. And the point is, is that Mary had to learn to trust God, regardless of what anybody else thought. And so Joseph really didn't understand. Can you imagine poor Joseph? He thought his wife cheated on him. Or his future wife, his betrothed one. rough and then an angel shows up 
and says, Joseph, got to talk. <laughs> like, I don't know. I would have planned it like right away at the same time. Maybe they, an angel, two angels met, one in each separate room and prepared them both at the same time. No conflict, you know, no misunderstandings. I mean, think about this. I mean, what a mess. People like Steve Arsenal would be like, oh my gosh, this is not going to go well. Do you know there's a train wreck coming? He's very intuitive with relationships. So, and he, he thinks way ahead of things that could go wrong and tries to mitigate the possibilities of those going wrong. But I'm saying he would, have, he would have gone screaming at night going, this is not good. I'm leaving this town. I'm no longer part of this Bethlehem church thing. I mean, and can you imagine, like, we just got the narrative of Mary. Can you imagine if this was Sarah, someone older, arguing, questioning, laughing skepticism? Can you imagine if it was Sarah, Abraham's wife, it would have been more like, are you kidding? Like, angel, go to biology class. Like, really? It is true if you really think through this, right? But, you know, like Sarah, wouldn't she know better than an angel or God or God's plan, right? And, you know, part of the reason I brought this up, all of this, is because this kind of commissioned living, this kind of dedication to trust and obey God isn't just required by someone like Mary, a superstar in the Bible, or someone else. It's required by every single one of us. It is the mark of a true follower of Jesus is coming to a place where we can trust him and obey regardless of the cost. We've talked about all kinds of things like this, like this commissioning. We're going to look at John 17 and close here because it's a, it's a quick short development here, but basically this idea that like this commissioning is about a divine exchange, and we read about this, we'll read about this in John, but it's this image of the volleyball match that I brought up before. You know, we receive from God, and we're expected to give back in every area of our life. It's a spiritual life cycle. He gives, we give back, and if we don't, we abort that cycle of growth and prosperity and blessing because it's not meant to be that. We're not to receive and hold out on God. We're to receive and give back. It's this volley back and forth. And you could bring up anything. You could bring money and resources. It says God gives the power to get wealth. And you say, well, but I can't afford to do that. Well, God has the ability to give you wealth. He's the one who, if he gives you everything anyway... We don't give back to him for him. He gave us everything. Think about this. He's Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the sustainer, the giver. And then we are like, oh, no, I, I just can't fit that in, Lord. And he's like, wait, that, wait, what are you doing? I just gave you everything. I'm like, I'm like the parent who gives the kid a dollar and says, okay, now go give Johnny 10 cents. No, it's my dollar. No, no, it's not your dollar. It's my dollar. I gave you that dollar. It's time, you know, God gives us breath, health, 
sustenance. And we need to give that back. Gifts and talents. You know, God gave us the abilities and the giftings, everything. He gave us everything. And he's the loving father saying, go ahead, give back a little bit. Come on, don't worry, I'll give you more. This is fun. I want to give you four quarters. Go give that one away, right over to there. The father who could give us all things and is just asking us, it's really down to trust him. Do you trust that he is willing? Do you trust him? Do you trust his goodness? Do you trust he's a loving dad? He gives you strength, breath, life, energy. Hey, he gives you family and relationships. Will you, will you trust him with those? What if Mary said, oh, angel, hold on, no, bring a, bring a memo back right now to God, okay? Like, because this ain't gonna work. Like, listen, Joseph is too important to me. I cannot afford to have him think that I'm cheating on him. I mean, think about this, guys. This is realities. It's all these things. In John 17, we see the Father and the Son as this model relationship that are together in heaven. Inseparable, completely one. Even, you know, because Jesus just didn't start when he came to earth. He was around from eternity's beginning. The Bible says everything was made through him by the Father. He was around forever. Then the word became flesh and he jumped inside a human. Came from his eternal boundless and became restricted to this human body. I would love to talk to, I just want to talk to him a whole coffee time just on how he felt as a baby in a, in a helpless body. As a God. I mean, some of these things blow me away. But see, this gift that was in a manger wasn't a baby in a manger anymore. He was a man of God. He was the son of God, fully mature. And in John 17, we see this son that was once in this manger. And he says, some, he says an amazing prayer that I'm going to end tonight with. And he says, and I want to just break it down. Sanctify them, praying for the people that already began to believe in him. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Fathers, you sent me into the world, Jesus said. I've sent them into the world. And for their sake, for their sake, I consecrate myself. Also, that they may be sanctified. That's the, the second time, third time they've used this. That I might be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these people only, but also for those who will believe in me from now until we call everybody up to heaven. Through their word. Those who believe in me through their word. Their word. That they may all be one just as you and I, Father. Father in me and I in you that they might be like us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. 
This is a whole prayer correlating the way the world will know that we are sent by God is if we are disciples, one with him as he is with the Father. This whole divine exchange is just Jesus praying, sanctify them. This word, sanctity, is more complicated than you think. This is, first, these words, they literally mean consecrate, sanctify. The Greek words hagiazo, which means to make holy. Remember when we just talked about how he was holy? Well, his goal is to make us holy, to dedicate, to separate. The word for holy is hagios. We don't have a verb to holy, but let's pretend a moment we do. We used to have such a word to holy something is to hallow it. We say this every time we pray to the Father. Father, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. But I doubt that many people understand what this means. Sanctify them in truth is a part of the text that gave me a great deal of trouble. What can it possibly mean to be sanctified not by the truth, in the truth. It's easy if you understand what Greek means by truth. Some translations say consecrated by the truth. The text says in, not by. When we say by the truth, it sounds like we're being called to argue about theology. In English, when we say truth, we mean reasoned assertions that are demonstrably factual. The word aletheia, truth, in Greek means opposite of illusion it means reality so jesus is saying that we should be consecrated in reality not just in theory he says that the father's word is truth logos usually translated as word means a whole lot more than word it means the reasonable heart of something it means a way of being as well as thinking and speaking now anyone that's involved in build or antioch knows that, you know, Didache, it's the teaching. It's not about a catechism or all these things up in your head. It's a way of life that we're trained to live a different way because we are followers of Jesus. This one guy says... Um, I am reminded of the words of my old pastor, a man of words and not of deeds is just like a garden full of weeds. And then he says, there are a lot of pretty weedy believers. <laughs> but Jesus is literally saying, Lord, sanctify them in the truth. Make them holy. Set them apart as a people that are dedicated solely to, to me. Christ. And then he says, as you've sent me in the world, I've sent them into the world. The glory you've given me, I've given them, that they may be one even as we are one, so that the world will know that you sent me and love them. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you've sent me. This is talking about disciples. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. With the love with which you have loved me, maybe in them and I in them. And folks, I'm just telling you tonight that there is 
there is a very serious call to us as believers because it is not about just sitting back and praying that the Lord would move. He wants a sign and a wonder. He wants witnesses on this earth that will literally express who he is and that because of the transformation in our hearts and lives, people will know that we were sent by God and that we are just like Jesus, sent by the Father in heaven. Because what did they say when he was on earth? Show us the Father. And Jesus said, oh, I don't have to show you the Father. I am the Father. I've been with the Father. The Father works through me. And that's the same thing he intends. Jesus just said here, that baby that now grew into a man, the Son of God, that was on a mission to the cross, just said, listen, you don't need to see the Father if you've seen me. And he wants believers, disciples of Christ, who will say, look at my life. Look at my actions. Watch me. If you've seen my life, you've seen Jesus. I'm telling you folks, it's like, and I know that this could get real spiritual, like now we all want to be like, um, I don't know, those different cheesy Christian films you've seen where Jesus is portrayed as this person just with a glowing face, and, and that he just walks around like this, you know, and then you see Chosen, you see this, this natural depiction of this like real person with a personality and everything like this. I'm not talking about being super spiritual. I'm talking about allowing God to change your heart and recenter your priorities and your affections and everything around him and letting God speak to your heart and release his life and receive everything that he has for you and that you begin to give it back to him in every area. Well, Lord, I've already given you my prayer time so I don't have to give money. Lord, I've opened my home for this family for free, so then I don't have to pray anymore. It's in every aspect of our life. God is calling us to give everything to him over everything else, not to question and be sarcastic like Sarah, but to be just like Mary who says, as it is according to your will, Lord, You know, when everyone has those places where you're like, Lord, anything you want, except, right? I'm sure you've been there in prayer. I have. Always feeling like, oh, Lord, anything you want. And, you know, he always finds the very thing that you just are like, uh, no, don't go there. And this is such a simple message, but we just forget it and we like we like Christmas we like the warm and fuzziness of it because we're like oh a nice unintimidating baby but this baby in a manger folks was never meant to be this nice little just baby sitting in a manger we're just gaga goo goo I love babies and they just innocent and they they look at you I love my grandchildren and my friends kids But Jesus is not a baby in a manger anymore. He came as that profound plan. And then Jesus grew and he, he went to his mission on the cross and he died on that cross. 
And he said, I didn't come to be this cute little baby. I came to be a savior and a Lord and a warrior that broke the back of the wicked one, broke the back of darkness, introduced the victory of my father on this earth. And then this prayer just brings it into a place that's amazing. Like, it takes it out of this, wow, go, God, to now, go, people of God. Go, people of God. I've done my work. Lord, you've sent me. Now I send them. 